Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. We are back after a little bit of a layoff there, but we have plenty of sports news to discuss. Um, yeah, a lot going on. In the meantime, I will start... You keep forgetting to introduce us. You're right. I'm Mitchell Kaminsky. This is Marshall Macaluso. Over the phone still, because we are responsible citizens, and as such, we are in Phase 4 in Illinois. These podcasters down in Florida, they'd be doing it in the same room, and that's why, you know, the government's being shut down there, and it's total chaos. We are responsible podcasters. I have heard, I have heard a few complaints about the noise, and I just want to say we're doing the best we can with our very, um, limited budget, and, um... And um, with the coronavirus, but yeah, exactly. All the it's the podcasts in Texas, Arizona, and Florida who've been getting together for their watch parties, and that's why we're all gonna have to shut down again. Exactly. As a treat to the listeners, before we get started, and I know we're past kind of all the Michael Jordan last dance stuff. But um, they were talking about that book, The Jordan Rules, in the documentary. So I've had a lot of free time on my hands. And I'm like, well, I want to see what all the hype's about. Because, uh, you know, Horace Grant got in trouble for supposedly snitching to Sam Smith during it. And then uh, Jordan ratted on him. And then uh, Grant wasn't too happy for him ratting. And he claims he didn't rat. And I don't know. It was a whole rat fest. So I was like, hey, I want to see what all the hype's about. So I bought the book. And I've sat down and read a book. For the first time, I think, uh, voluntarily since second grade. And I have to tell you, it's a phenomenal read. I don't know what these kids, you're an English teacher. I don't know what these kids are reading nowadays, but I think this is better than Tom Sawyer. It is written fabulously. There's a lot of dirt in there. And I'll give you folks some of the highlights for being valuable listeners of the Dorm Room Dispute podcast. So a couple of the interesting nuggets, briefly, for those of you that go to Bradley, there's actually some strong Bradley connections to the book. Uh, Bradley won the Missouri Valley uh, Championship for basketball uh, two years in a row now. But before they'd done that, they had kind of a long drought. And the last coach that won was Stan Allback, who was the coach for Michael Jordan uh, in his famous 60-point game in Boston. He was keeping him out, and he was eventually fired. But he went on to coach Bradley afterwards, and he kept in contact with Michael Jordan. And part of the rifts that were happening in the front office uh, that was throughout the documentary, it was still going on in 1991 when they won their first championship. The team did not like Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause also happened to go to Bradley, and he liked to hang out with all the athletes, kind of as like, uh, like a trainer or whatever. And, um, you know, he's kind of this short, fat kid. So a lot of the people in the Bradley Athletic Organization, they had a lot of funny stories about Jerry Krause, which Stan Allback would hear, and then feed to Michael Jordan so he could tell the rest of his teammates and embarrass Jerry Krause even further. Um, you know, a couple podcasts... So, Go ahead. So, so Bradley was aiding the snakeish behavior. I kind of like that. They were. It's good legacy to have. Peoria was in the thick of things. You know, the cocaine circus was yeah, down the there. the cocaine circus. So every, <laughs> every, every negative, you know, influence that was surrounding Michael Jordan had part to do with Peoria, Illinois. I think that's very fair. Yes. Um, a wonderful city. Some of the other interesting nuggets. You know, we were talking about who would you rather have a teammate, uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Um, and I think it's safe to say after reading this, I'd much rather have LeBron James as one of my teammates. Michael was, he was horrible to some of these guys. Like Bill Cartwright, when they got him, he was not a fan of him because they traded their friend uh, Charles Oakley. So in practice, like the narrative was he was kind of slow and clumsy. So he would whip passes at him intentionally hard, like off his face and stuff that he couldn't catch to try and make him look bad. There's another instance where the backup point guard, B.J. Armstrong, he came into the game. And Phil Jackson, I mean, like, the Bulls had notoriously gone through a lot of uh, guards in general because none of them could play with Jordan because Jordan always wanted the ball. So that's why they liked John Paxton because he was slow uh, and he could just spot up shoot, but he always knew I'll give the ball to Jordan, even though B.J. was a little more athletic. Um, and BJ was always complaining about that, one of the many people complaining. There's one series in particular, they're in a game, and Armstrong comes down and he scores like three straight buckets in a row. He's going iso ball because the guy scored on him, so he's like, I'm going to go back at him just like it's a playground. And all of a sudden you see BJ Armstrong, he gets taken out of the game. Uh, and it turns out it was Michael Jordan was yelling at Phil Jackson, hey, get him the fuck out of here, he won't pass the ball. And sure enough, Phil Jackson obliged. 
Um, very, and even little nuggets, like, the reason they called it the Jordan Rules is because, like, it was a teammate's, like, that. that's what they would say, because it's kind of the special treatment he got. When Doug Collins was the coach, there was one time they were supposed to practice on Christmas Eve, and they are supposed to be at the airport to head back to Chicago, and uh, Michael Jordan didn't want to practice on Christmas Eve, so he didn't show up. And Doug called him, he's like, hey, where are you at? He's like, I'm not coming. So like, crap, we can't leave without Michael Jordan. So he's like, okay, if you show up at the airport, I'll cancel practice. So he shows up, they get the notice that practice is canceled, and the players notice that Michael Jordan's not wearing any socks. They're like, oh, we know why practice was canceled. So some interesting stuff like that. One last thing I'll leave you with. Uh, that was kind of funny. You could totally tell, despite what Horace Grant says, and I'm a Horace Grant fan, that he was definitely the narc in this book. Uh, because like he's very much favored and you get a lot of nuggets that are kind of from Horace's perspective and you can tell and one of which was there was a conversation slash argument between him Scotty Pippen and Michael in the locker room about which of their sons had the biggest penis and uh, Scotty Pippen's won so there you have it um, it's definitely worth the read though if you get the chance if you want to read an interesting, interesting sports book and it's fascinating that's very interesting and I think yeah and I mean, like, I think we definitely talked about it, and I think, you know, if, if I had never learned, if I had never watched basketball, I didn't know anything about the history of basketball, which is a lot of kids, like, this, it was a lot of this generation, um, yeah, and they didn't know much about the 90s, you, I mean, if you watch The Last Dance, you're like, oh my lord, Michael Jordan's the next coming of Christ, he motivated all his teammates, and even when he was mean, he was doing it to better them so they could win championships. Yeah. It's like, all right, like, yes, they won. But, <laughs> you know, wasn't always wasn't always peachy. I, I agree. Fact, it was often the opposite. It's funny, know? too, because you think that 98 season was chaotic. I think the 91 season was even worse because literally everyone on that team had some sort of problem. Pippen was complaining about his contract. This was before he got that six-year extension, which eventually would come back around full circle. But he didn't have that yet, and he was worried, so he was complaining about that. Horace Grant was complaining he wasn't getting enough touches. Stacey King, who was a leading scorer in Oklahoma, and during the team movie flight, everyone gets a chance to pick a movie, and when it was Stacey King's turn, he picked his highlight reels from Oklahoma, so he got made fun of for that. But he showed up to camp overweight and out of shape, so he wasn't getting playing time. They brought in this new free agent, Cliff Levingston. He was complaining because he wasn't in the rotation enough, and he didn't understand the triangle. Michael didn't like Phil Jackson because he was making him run the triangle. That season was a mess. Everyone was unhappy. It was amazing that these guys won. Um, and, you know, because I've been reading it, I was, and I've, like I said, I've been bored. I went on YouTube, and I found a channel that had, like, all these games from the 91 season. So I was re-watching a bunch of them. I've already watched, like, 27 games from that season because I've had way too much free time. But Jordan, I tell you, you watch him and he scores like 30 effortlessly. Like, you'll be watching the game and you'll see the line. It's like, holy crap, he has 30 points already. It was, it was, it's incredible to watch. So I do give him a lot of credit for overcoming all that. Speaking of real basketball now, because uh, that's what we want to talk about, the NBA is going full steam ahead in the bubble. Um, yes, and we have players testing positive for coronavirus. We have Marshall Macaluso with the latest. Hit it. Yeah, so I believe, I mean, this was like, gosh, like, it's got to be less than an hour ago. DeAndre, so DeAndre Jordan of the Brooklyn Nets got coronavirus, and he is out of Orlando. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, um, and we never actually never really talked about this. This is a side note. I don't know if you ever saw this, but he put up, I believe he's going to become a, become a free agent, pretty decent player, good role player, and he put up a GoFundMe to, with, People, fans can pay, play, pay in Bitcoin on his GoFundMe to send him to their favorite team. Spoiler alert, he didn't get, like, any money, and I think he just got, like, a couple of dollars. I mean, he set the bar high. He, he, think he, was, he was, thought he was LeBron or something. Regardless, interesting story. You should check it out. Uh, he also got coronavirus and is seriously considering uh, not going to the uh, the bubble. I think at this point, I said it before the podcast, the Nets, they should just relinquish their spot in the playoffs because I believe they're like a fifth seed in the East right now. Um, says a little something about that conference. 
but they got Kyrie doesn't even want to go. He doesn't think people should go. Doesn't even matter. He's not playing. DeAndre's out. Dinwiddie's out. Kevin Durant already said he's not going to play. They should just give it up. Give it to, like, the, the Kings. You know, the Kings are trying hard. You know? <laughs> yeah. I believe that they, they're, they're decently close to an 18. Or, like, the... You know, I know they're in the West, but, like, just know the Blazers in the East. Because, like, it's, it's uh, you know, Carmelo and the Damian Lillard. Like, people watch that. I don't want to see a bunch of complaining dudes. Well, not complaining. They got coronavirus. I, I shouldn't say that. But, it, 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 regardless, it is very interesting to see. Because I, I feel like a lot of players are going to test positive, And is that just, you know, moving forward as usual? Or is that a sign of concern? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, I agree, especially because you could have a series swayed because one of the stars gets test positive for corona, and then what are you going to do? And I know a lot of these guys aren't very happy about having to spend a couple months away in the bubble down in Orlando. Um, there's a couple players opting out straight up, like Avery Bradley opted out, so the Lakers had to go sign uh, J.R. Smith. So um, it will be interesting to see. I think what we're going to – I will say this. I know there's going to be a big faction of people on Twitter uh, that are going to be complaining because, like, they're going to watch these games and the players are going to be kind of rusty. I think that the only reason they're not going straight to the playoffs is because the stars like LeBron have such a heavy influence that, you know, you kind of need these tune-up games that get into playoff intensity. So do not be surprised when you're watching these guys – and the basketball is a little rusty, and you're not going to see guys at 100%, and it's going to be a little weird with no fans in the stands, but you have to take what you can get, uh, and it will be interesting uh, to see for sure. Um, you know, I yeah. it's tough to even, especially because Florida's so uncertain right now. They're playing, I know they're in a bubble and everything, but it's in the middle of a hot spot for Corona right now, and you have all those employees and staff members you have to worry about. If one of them gets infected and goes in the bubble, that it could be a whole outbreak. So um, I'm hopeful. I think it'll be easier for them to finish their season than some of these other sports, which leads me to my next news, that baseball is supposedly back. Rob Manfred and the players came to an agreement, but not really an agreement. And I will say, I kind of give, for those of you who don't know, uh, the owners offered the players fully prorated salaries, and I believe it was a 70-game regular season. Which sounds pretty reasonable. Uh, I think that's what the players wanted. And the players' union turned it down because they want to file a grievance regardless of what happens. So while I am pro-player, I think that did not make them come across looking all that good. And negotiations in 2021 when the CBA runs out, we're going to be right back here next year. And it's going to be even uglier and nastier because these two sides couldn't get them together now. Now as for this upcoming season... And I posted it on the Twitter as soon as it came out. They came to an the agreement. They said they're going to start late July, I believe. July 3rd is like when they're all reporting yeah, for stuff. The camp starts. I highly doubt that this season is going to happen. I think it's a low percent. It even gets started. And if it does, I'd be very surprised if they finish. Just because some of these southern states, you know, they haven't been doing the COVID testing very well. It's going to be very easy for an outbreak to happen. It's tougher for them to get a season started than it would be for the NBA to finish, and I realistically, I don't see it happening. I think there's too many variables, and you already saw an outbreak with the Phillies and the Blue Jays because they had a couple guys yeah. hanging out, and then you have to have all these, uh, you have to have these taxi squad rosters, and I think the whole thing's a mess. Um, it's, it, I don't know, not a good look for baseball right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, we saw Ryan Zimmerman and there was another player on the Nationals that uh, voluntarily opted out of the season. And, you know, I think it, it's, I mean, in both basketball and baseball, I, I know, like, the, the Anthony Rizzo, former cancer survivor, he's in the category of uh, a high risk. And so he, could, he, he, he has the option to opt out because he's at higher risk than other um, uh, healthier people, quote-unquote. Um, but he's going in, and I do believe there's there's a lot of players that, like, they want to get back to it. They want to they want to play baseball. I mean, I know the White Sox. I don't know if it was Lucas Giolito or it was someone talking about the White Sox, but they're like, man, like, the White Sox made all these, like, blockbuster moves, and, like, it's all coming together, and it would be a shame for, like, them and a couple other teams that are, like, 
kind of on the upswing to just like can it, you know? Yeah. You don't you don't want to see that happen. Uh, these players aren't getting any younger. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I think, and it's really hard because we've been talking about soccer, and they we're just not in a country that handled coronavirus particularly well. Our no. cases are shooting right back up, and it's like, man, like, there's so much uncertainty, and it looked, like, super promising. Cases going down, you know, uh, we can play basketball, we can play baseball, and I totally agree, there's, like, so much uncertainty, and to start a season in these conditions, I mean, that's tough. People are already talking about the NFL, what they should do, because, like, and that's going to be another tough sport. Baseball will be kind of easy because your distance is enough. Uh, if you're testing well enough, or like football and basketball, you're sweating all over each other. You're right on top of each other. So, like, if some one person slips through the cracks and has it, that's going to be a problem. Um, where, yeah, like... Yeah, you, and those big squad sizes, too. Yeah. The, the problem... The other thing with baseball, too, that concerns me... Is like you said, you know, a lot of these teams were going all in on the season, so it'll be interesting if it starts. Say the White Sox are in first place, you, they're, you're, they're a bullpen piece away. Do you risk making a trade and try and go for it, even though it's a 60 game season, knowing that the rest yeah. of the season could get canceled? Or even if it doesn't get canceled, does it mean as much uh, as a 462 yeah. game season? Do these guys wait it the same way? And also, like you said, you have star players like Zimmerman that want to sit out, and I can understand not wanting to take the health risk if you're getting paid a lot of money. I mean, I'm not going to fault the guy for sitting out uh, and who's worried about his family or whatnot, but for a sport that's strapped for cash right now, and you have a lot of these owners, which I don't particularly buy into, that are playing, oh, we don't have all this money, and you got like the Ricketts that is like, probably going to be selling off contracts. If your stars aren't playing... Chances are people aren't going to be inclined to watch your team if your best players. Like, if Mike Trout isn't playing, I'm not going to watch an Angels game unless they're playing the White Sox. So they're going to lose even more money from that, which is just going to hurt the players in the long run because, like, the less money the owners have, the less they're making a free agency when it comes back around. And I think it will also be very interesting to see from the Cubs' perspective if this is the last season we see Chris Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez together because uh, I think there's a good probability now that, you know, this speeds up the process where they might be trying to shed some cap. Um, and I think this is the last season we see Chris Bryant in a Cubs uniform. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, I mean, uh, you go to the Dodgers. They got Mookie Betts on a one-year deal. Yeah. That's a really big one year that they have to cash in on. And is it even going to happen? I mean, if they cancel the season, Mookie Betts a free agent? Like, what? I, I don't... There's just so many question marks, and I think, I mean, we keep making that point. NBA, look, they just got to play out, like, eight more games, get some seeding down. It's really just kind of like, you know, figure out the 7-8 and eight seed and then get the players some practice, run into the playoffs. And, you know, the MLB, like, I think, and we're going to get to NASCAR in a second, but, I mean... I mean, look at NASCAR. They had uh, tell the Talladega race or whatever like that, and obviously the whole Bubba Wallace situation, you know, amplified it a decent amount. But there's a lot of people who are like, I have literally, it's a weekend. I have literally, like, legitimately nothing to watch except for like old sports games and movie reruns. There's a live sporting event on. It's NASCAR. I never watched NASCAR. I personally, I think it's stupid. I think it's not a sport. I tuned into that game or that race because I got nothing better to watch. Yeah. What the heck? Like you were were saying. Baseball missed that. Yeah, it was definitely a missed opportunity by the MLB. Because like you said, there's sports like I'm not a soccer fan. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm watching Liverpool win the championship. Shout out to them. Uh, I saw a couple of Bayern Munich games. I think they also won their championship, didn't they? Or yeah. something like that. So, yeah. um, which I usually, like you said, I usually would not be watching. Or baseball, it's such a big opportunity to grow the fan base. Um, and I get it's difficult with the pandemic. There would have been a lot of holes to jump through. But the fact that not only did they not play, but they made them look they made themselves look even worse with people out of work and dying from corona and here they are millionaires and billionaires arguing over money. So it wasn't even that they weren't playing, it's just the optics of the whole thing looked bad. 
But going back to NASCAR, um, I, you know, I think they have looked, and they they've done a tremendous job these past couple weeks. Yeah. I remember uh, for my graduation, we went down to Charlotte to see the uh, White Sox affiliate. Uh, the Charlotte Knights. It's like graduation uh, trip or whatever. And we were going to see Eloy Jimenez, but across from our hotel was the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I'm like, oh, what the hell? I'll go check it out. It was really cool. I enjoyed it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll casually watch some races here and there. I, I kind of like it. Uh, and then after they, they they had, you know, I think they took great steps with the whole Bubba Wallace thing like you are talking about to acknowledge that, yeah, you know, we're not treating our black drivers particularly well. We shouldn't be having these Confederate flags in here. They listened. They got rid of the Confederate flags, knowing full well that a big portion of their fan base is waving Confederate flags. So that could hurt the paycheck. They did it anyway. And then the whole way all the drivers rallied around Bubba when they found a noose in his garage and how quick NASCAR was to act. I think NASCAR has done more for Bubba Wallace than the NFL has for Colin Kaepernick. Um, and they, players, which is shocking and it shouldn't be the case, but props to NASCAR. I am increasingly yeah. liking them more every year. And like you said, I have no interest in watching. I would never watch a race at Talladega, and I was tuning in to watch because there was nothing else on, and I liked the way they were handling the situation there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. I think um, in a league where like, I think the NBA has done a pretty good job, uh, the NFL has done a, a pretty poor job of handling, um, you know, their players and supporting them and their uh, efforts uh, with, you know, whatever social cause um, they want to have. But, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think going to your NFL point, I mean, I think a lot of people have been calling for them to directly apologize to Colin Kaepernick, I don't think it's going to happen, um, but to see, like, I, and it's like, they got one dude, they got one black driver, which is shocking in and of itself that there even is a black driver, considering, you know, it's NASCAR, um, but the way they, the, yeah, the way they rallied around him, and the way that, you know, they, they kind of made a firm statement supporting the players, um, it was really cool, and I, I think it's, it, it, it's sad that it's taken so long for, like, the NFL and for all these leagues to be, like, really confident that they can um, support players in cause for racial justice and that not affect their bottom line. And that's more of a statement in our American society as a whole, regardless. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's cool to see, um, you know, individual teams, individual players having their um, say, I know, I think the NBA said that they're going to paint Black Lives Matter on their courts. Um, they're going to let the players, I believe, like, put whatever they want um, on, the jer- yeah. on the back of their jersey. So, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's really fun to see. Shame it's taking this long, considering all of their athletes in a lot of these sports are black, but... And, you know, I, I agree. And the NBA has always been very progressive with it, um, which is, was nice to see NASCAR would be the last sport, I would think, to do it. But also, you know, I give NASCAR props. Props to Bubba Wallace, too. Uh, to, you know, because you know, it really does take a lot of courage to come out and speak out against a sport like that, knowing full well you're going to get a whole lot of hate. And, you know, their first race, someone bought an airplane to fly a Confederate flag across. Um and then you find the noose in your lo- your locker, and you you know you're, you immediately jump to the conclusion that's probably a hate crime. I think he has handled it really well and been a great ambassador for the sport of NASCAR, which has helped uh, throughout the whole process. Um, speaking of like which, did you hear the whole Will Kane fiasco where he was complaining about how NASCAR they jumped to conclusions right away, like oh, oh yeah. Oh my lord! I mean, if you have time, I. I highly encourage you go um, and listen to the conversation Will Kane had with Bomani Jones yep. on the Will Kane uh, podcast. Bomani Jones, absolutely fantastic. I love him. I think Will Kane is a clown. I think he, regardless, in sports and outside of sports, I think he is stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, that whole situation was bizarre because, you know, found a noose and then. It's not 
not a news. It's been there the whole time. And then to see, they're like, all right, we searched every garage. We only found one rope fashion like this. And you see the picture, and I'm no noose expert. It looks a lot like a noose to me. Yeah, and it, was, it was... There was only one, and it just happened to be in the black guy's garage. But supposedly it's been there for a long time. I don't know. It had been yeah. there for two years, apparently, since... Or not two since last October it's been up. Yeah. October 2018. But um, if you look at the picture, which I encourage you to do so, it is a noose. Like, there's yeah. no doubt about it. It's a noose. Maybe it was... A, Designed for a pull-down rope, that's fine, but like it's safe to assume it was the news. Also, when NASCAR was investigating it, uh, I think they said, and don't the, the number's not exactly correct, but I think out of like the 200-something garages, they only found like 14. My numbers might be a little off, but it was something around that proportion. So there's not a lot of those hanging around, so I can see why they were quick to investigate, which I'm glad they did. And instead of being angry about the fact that... You know, NASCAR assumed it was a hate crime. You should be happy that it wasn't a hate crime and that they did their due diligence and are taking a threat like that uh, seriously, yeah. Um, yeah, which I think know, was nice. Well, I, and, and further, I think, what kind of, you know, Bob Wallace has been absolutely amazing. I mean, he's the type of guy that, regardless of, you know, race or and just any, like, underdog story, really, regardless of the circumstances, he stands for something that's that's really positive in this culture. And if you ever, if you ever, like, come across a person or there are those people out there who turn a blind eye to racism in this country, but if you ever find a person who is like, you know, racism isn't a big deal, log on to Twitter.com and then go to Bubble Wallace's page and just read the comment section because it's insane. I mean, the, the amount of hate this guy gets for just standing up for, you know, what's right is, is absolutely insane. And it shows we have a long way to go, which is why, you know, it's super it's super cool to see that, like, when these guys come out with their statements, that they, they have so many people standing behind them. Uh, I mean, like LeBron James, like, just other athletes in general, just standing behind this, like, random NASCAR driver. Really cool to see. Totally agree. Um... On to some other news that came out earlier this week. Cam Newton has been signed by the New England Patriots. I think this was a great signing by them for a couple of different reasons. Number one, uh, it was very smart because it distracted us from the news this week that came out, I think, the same night with the NFL handing out punishments for New England for videotaping the Bengals uh, where the Patriots lost some draft picks, they were fined, and their video crew will not be allowed to go to any games this season. So once again, they're kind of caught cheating. But what were we talking about last night? We were talking about Cam Newton being signed by them. I think that was not a coincidence. They know what they were doing. The second thing that was smart is a one-year deal with $1 million guaranteed. So the rest of it's incentives, which I think a lot of contracts should be. They are pay- It is dirt cheap what they are paying a former MVP quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and on top of that... Even if he hits all the incentives, it's 7.5 mil. Right. If he hits all of them. So say he does hit all of them, which is the Patriots would want because he plays well, he'll probably leave in free agency and sign a bigger deal, which is a win-win for both sides. The Patriots get a productive year out of Cam Newton. And if he leaves for free agency, they get a compensatory third-round draft pick back for Cam Newton, which is one thing they lost from the uh, punishments the NFL handed down. So that was a smart play as well. And let's face it, that quarterback room of Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer wasn't going to do him anything. I think that it's a win-win situation. If he plays poorly, you're tanking for uh, Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think... You know, yeah. nothing bad can come out of it. And it really frustrates me, too, with the Bears that they had yeah. to trade. And I know it all comes back to the We had to trade a fourth-round draft pick and pay Nick Foles all this money to do this wishy-washy quarterback battle instead of going out and getting a number-one starter. It stinks. The NFL had a thing the other day. Or not the NFL, ESPN. One of their morning shows, they're talking about the best quarterback rooms and essentially the best backups. And the Bears, they the Bears ranked number two. Well, that's because both of their quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks. Like, Nick Foles is the best backup in the league, I'll give you that, but he's not a guy I'm 
trotting out there confident he's going to win me a game. And Mitch Trubisky, on the other hand, you know, if we're investing all of this revenue and resources into him uh, by trading up to draft him, I want to exhaust every possible resource to make sure for a fact he's not our guy. So I would play him for another year. Or if you're trying to win now, get a, and he's not your guy, which you've seen enough of, get a guy that's undisputedly the number one guy, and I think Cam Newton would be that. I think Cam Newton, despite his injuries, is tough. He's got a big arm, which would play well in Chicago. I would rather have him over Nick Foles. Plus, he's kind of mobile like Trubisky, so he would fit well into the offense they're trying to do, and I think he would be an undisputed number one starter where now you're in a quarterback battle with Nick Foles, and you're paying him more, and I think it's going to be a disaster. New England was smart about this. It pisses me off. The Bears are going to finish 9-7 and seven this year and miss the playoffs, if the season even happens. I don't know. The whole thing's a mess. Yeah, no, I was I was thinking about it because I because I think the Cam Newton move was something that a lot of people saw coming a while ago, and um, we're just kind of waiting for the news to break, kind of deal. Because um, he was basically the only quarterback uh, that was left on the market, and I don't think a lot of people really thought Patriots going to run into twenty twenty with Jerry Stidham. But yeah, I mean, you look at the Patriots and the Bears, and roster wise, it's not a huge difference. Both got solid top ten defense. Uh, the Bears got better skill positions. They got better. They got Allen Robinson, whose career is being pissed away. Um, and but they just gotta have a quarterback. And I, I mean, when you look at Cam Newton versus Nick Foles, Nick Foles is trade a fourth rounder, and he's gonna get it's he has three years left on his contract. He can opt out after the next two. He's getting twenty one million guaranteed. So decent amount of money. Uh, three years, you're kind of stuck with him, but it's also kind of up in the air. And and so I think, like, risk factor, the Cam Newton is, is such a smaller risk. If he stinks, you pay him, like, $2 million, and then he walks. And his career is kind of over. Mm-hmm. Uh, big whoop. Nick Foles, you're kind of stuck with for three years, and he'll probably just end up being a backup, and you're paying him $21 million. And and then you go to the reward factor. I think it's it's you know it's obvious. Cam Newton's ceiling is higher. Both of them played through injuries. Cam Newton is a big question mark because he hasn't played in a while because he's been injured. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He believes the Panthers completely gave up on him, so he's really trying to prove himself. Whereas Nick Foles, I mean, the dude signed a big time contract with Jacksonville, broke his collarbone, came back. Was he injured? I don't really know. Regardless, he didn't play very well at all. Lost the job to Gardner Minshew and got traded because they realized they had signed him to this huge deal and it was they were putting themselves in, in, in salary jail. And it's like, I mean, I just feel like it's a no-brainer that the Cam Newton is obviously better. And what blows my mind is that Adam Schefter reported the Patriots are the only team that were even interested in Cam Newton. Yeah. The Bears can't even pick up the phone and call this former league MVP right. who almost won a Super Bowl. I mean, really? The, and- I, I think I think Cam Newton, I think he deserved a lot more. I'm glad he's playing. I'm rooting for him with the Patriots, which sounds weird to say. And I just, I don't know. I, I totally agree with you. I think if, if I'm... Matt Nagy in the Bears front office. I've seen enough of Mitchell Trubisky. You're not you're not making any deep playoff runs with that guy. Take a gamble with your good defense on Cam Newton. He's only 31 years old. See if you can if he can give you a playoff run on his prove it contract. Right, and now make no mistake, Cam Newton is not going to be the guy he was in 2013. I think his days yeah. of Super Cam are far behind him. And even when he was that guy, he was never terribly accurate. So. You know, is he a world beater? No. I, but, like we were kind of alluding to earlier, we've seen what Nick Foles' ceiling is, and I think Cam Newton's through a full season has showed us he can do it more consistently than Nick Foles has because he's only done it in short spurts, and it's mostly been in a backup role. Where Cam Newton, I think, so he's a lower... You're, you're investing less money in him. Uh... And I think you have a potentially higher ceiling now that he's going to be fully healthy. But I wish him the best in New England. It's interesting, going through the state of these Chicago sports teams, none of them are in particularly great shape except for the White Sox when I'm looking at it. I just, no, no, no. You're, 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 no. 
hear me out now. The, the Bulls, hold on. The Bulls, let's go through this list. The Bulls right now, not in the bubble. And for these people in the bubble, these players, they're all getting together. They're going to be going on their banana boats in Epcot. There's going to be a lot of colluding going on where guys are going to be becoming friends and buddying up. Zach Levine's not in the bubble to recruit players right now. That's a problem. Problem number two with the Bulls, they still have Jim Boyland. The Knicks have already started their head coaching search. And from the looks of it, the Bulls haven't even started yet. They might keep boiling another year, and that's a mess. No one likes boiling. He's a clown. So I have very – they're a mess right now. Laurie Markkinen wants to be traded. We, we don't know what the hell's going on there. So they're a disaster. You have the Bears right now who are in win-now mode, supposedly. The offensive line is a mess. The quarterback situation up for grabs. Outside of Allen Robinson and maybe David Montgomery, we don't really know what that offense is going to be. There's not a whole lot of weapons there. So they're aging. you got like a one-year window, and after this year, if you're not winning, it's going to be a problem because Trubisky's going to be a free agent. Uh, you're going to have to start paying people. That's a mess. The Cubs, you just paid Kimbrell all this money. He stunk last year. They're probably going to be selling him. Chris Bryant was probably going to be gone before the coronavirus outbreak because they didn't want to pay him. Now with it, they're definitely going to be unloading his salary. I don't think they're going to sign him. Uh, you have Baez Hoot still. He needs a contract extension. Are they going to want to pay him? And Rizzo. That could be an issue. Now, I will say the DH thing helps him with Schwarber. So, but after this year... Another bunch of big question marks going on there. Not fully confident in them. I think the White Sox is the only one with young talent moving forward that I would rely on after the coronavirus. Next season when baseball happens, that they still have their whole core. The roster is still intact. I think the rest of the Chicago sports are a disaster. I uh, have two things. First of all, you left out the Blackhawks. Oh, I are going to make the playoffs in this huge bracket. You were right. That was, that was dumb. Okay, let's go Blackhawks really quick. Aging cast once again. They should not have even made the playoffs to begin with. They were selling people. They just they just fired Stan Bowman, which is a problem. They got rid of Quinville, Jeremy Colton. Not a whole lot of confidence there. So, I mean, you know, the Crawford's still okay. They could make some noise this year, but that's a very aging cast. Seabrook's not what he used to be. Taves looks like a shell of himself. The only one still producing at a high level right now is Kane. Now, there are some interesting young pieces there. But behind, they would be second right now, I think, behind. Maybe tie with the Cubs. Because I think the Cubs have more depth okay. on their roster. The but Cubs, though, I think, first of all, Chris Bryant, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, was on an interview with Marquee Network, and they asked him about, you know, staying with the team. And he said, the goal is to play for one team your whole career. Oh, so, please. The Marquee and, Network is just a bunch listen, of Cubs listen, propaganda. I mean, That's like watching the KGB news in Russia. If, Give me a break. Money, no, listen. If money's, think about it logically. If money's tight for the Chicago Cubs because of coronavirus, and they can't afford to pay people a lot of money, well, guess what? The benefit of the Cubs is every other team in the league also went through coronavirus, and money's tight everywhere. So, like, the, like if we can't pay Chris Bryant what he's asking for, I don't think any other team well, can either, because money's tight. Not all these other teams renovated their stadium and bought a whole bunch of patios outside Wrigleyville to transform the whole st street. So they're in a little bit more financial crunch than others because they just invested all this money around the stadium. And the other two thing you have to factor is, Look who his agent is. It's Scott Boris. He's not taking any small deal, and his players notoriously leave. I don't buy a word of that. I think this is enjoy your last season with Chris Bryant. the Cubs dugout. We just got a great draft. We got a lot of big arms. We got a great Chicago. I will say that the guy you picked in the draft was good. Yeah. I do like that shortstop. He's going to be the next Tim Anderson. That's a good. That was a good pickup. He wants me next We got... We got two of the top. We, we got the number one and the number four best uh, or fastest fastballs or whatever. Some metric. I don't know. Leave it up to the stats nerds. We had a good draft. And and David Ross 
David Ross, he had a great quote today. He said, he said, if they're handing out trophies under the year, I'm going after it. I don't care if it's a five-game season, well, I want that trophy. And I think we got no more hippies smoking weed in their in their vans, Joe Madden. He's out in L.A. probably getting coronavirus because everyone in L.A. has got coronavirus. And the Cubs are going to be good. They might be, but I don't think they made. Did they make any significant improvements from last year? No. I could argue the bullpen, which is their biggest weakness, got worse. I definitely think they, they are. I think they're a refocused team. They got rid of Joe Madden. I mean, that was a huge thing. Look, the talent, the talent is still there, but you could see the Cubs last year. They just couldn't. They, they just couldn't muster out wins. Their biggest and problem was blowing brother. leads from Craig Kimbrell. And Craig Kimbrell, the one thing he had going for him this year was he was going to be able to refocus at spring training and kind of get his arm right. Now that's taken away from him. This is a guy that gave up a career-high nine home runs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs tried to deal him at the deadline if they're out of it, which I don't think any team's going to be out of it because it's a 60-game season. But uh, yeah, well, that bullpen got worse. So Ricketts can stop donating to his campaign and we'll have a lot more money in the books for Chris Bryant. There you go. Problem solved. I, I still think they have a, they got some problems. Are they in a horrible state? No, but uh, they're on the downward trend. I think the uh, they have passed the peak. The collapse oh, is starting. No, no, we've just we're, we haven't even reached the summit yet. We're on the upward trend. It was just a low yeah, abyss for mediocrity. Now baseball is getting canceled. I yeah, that's got a ring in 2016. Oh, look, look, here's what's gonna happen. There's gonna be no season this year. Because the commissioner is going to get COVID, and then they're going to have a lockout, and baseball is going to get—we're going to have baseball season the next five years. Everything is going to go to waste. I've the never seen it. To watch is yeah. It is well. I I agree. I don't. I'd be surprised if you read the tea leaves. Listening to Jed Hoyer and Theo talk today, I think Joe um, Ross is in that call as well. They had a conference call, and he's like, "Well, I'm cautiously optimistic. No confidence in that whatsoever." And then you had Buster Only come on. Uh, he was on some radio station this weekend, and he said, yeah, I'm not confident at all. They're going to finish the season. I oh, said yeah. give him a 5% chance they're going to even start. Uh, now, I mean, he's always been kind of like the uh, doom and gloom sort of guy, but I, I'm i concerned. There's no confidence I have that no, they're going to finish this season. I absolutely agree with you. And I think, like, I mean, you could just kind of read, you know, uh, with these owners and it was like it's kind of disheartening because it wasn't just like a certain sector of the owners it was like pretty much every owner that had some like i mean you had the cardinals guy cardinals gm owner he was saying that like you know owning a baseball team is not that profitable and it's like dude yes it is like you own a sports team let's play the sport like are you do you really like and that's where it gets down to like do we really care about the game of baseball, no. or do we care about our bottom line? They don't. And Rob Manfred, I'm convinced Rob Manfred does not like baseball. All these rule changes and gimmicks that he's doing to like ruin... Now nah, I'm more of a purist, I, I think. So the intentional walk rule, in hindsight, was a good rule. When it first happened, was not a fan. But I think the runner at second base is ridiculous for extra innings. They're trying to get rid of that. I was always a fan of the pitchers hitting. I, I I'll get over that, I suppose. But he's trying to do all these gimmicks and make the game the games as short as possible. It's like, you know, D, I don't. I'm I'm convinced the guy does not like the game of baseball, and he went to every length possible, I think, to make him look horrible during this off season. Uh, by flipping, he's like, oh, I'm 100% positive. Well, now I'm not so sure. And he said they hired him, the owners hired him because of his good negotiating skills. I don't think he did that good of a job at all. Uh, yeah. It's Which is interesting because Jerry Reinsdorf, who is a historically good negotiator, even going back to the Jordan days, going back from that book, one of the ways they would negotiate was they'd have Kraus lowball him and insult the player, and then Reinsdorf would come and be like, no, no, it's okay, I'm kind of good cop, bad cop, and they would give him the offer they initially wanted. The player was so offended by the initial offer that they'd hear that offer that uh, Reinsdorf gave him, and they'd take the deal, even if it was horrible, just because it sounded so good to compare to Kraus. But anyway, master negotiator, when Manfred was elected, he, he was not a fan of Rob Manfred. So there's something he didn't like there, and I think he was ahead of the curve because Manfred's done a horrible job 
uh, negotiating, and I think he's trying all these stupid gimmicks. I yeah, like I said, I'm convinced. Rob Manfred hates baseball. There, yeah, I said no, it. I, I mean, look, I am not a baseball purist. I have been waiting for the day that the DH would get involved. And I don't, like, you know, I've always kind of been against the traditionalist baseball. And I know, like, they're being phased out, but, like, the people who get mad at, like, the backflips and all that stuff, it, it's slowly getting out. And I, I agree. I mean, look, baseball, yes, they're at a crossroads, so they kind of need to figure, they need to make some decisions because, you know, this. There are a lot of other sports that are gaining popularity at a much faster rate than baseball. And yep. I think baseball, like, I think it's clear what they need to do. And they kind of gave a half-hearted effort with, like, let the kids play. And, like, marketing these young stars and making baseball cool. And they had the Tim Anderson and Javi Baez, you know, and the, the Atlanta Braves. And they're like, oh, these guys are so cool. They hit home runs. And then they, like, kind of go back, and they're like, all right, let's just change the rules, make the game shorter. And I'm like, I don't really think that, like, making the game shorter or, like, anything like that is, like, I mean, the pitch clock, I don't know. I, I don't think that's the, the, the correct route. I think people will watch people will watch long games, and, you know, they got the atmosphere, but they just kind of market the players. Like, it's really what they got to do, and they had a chance for, during this lull of sports. It didn't really happen. No, I, I think I think baseball is. Just, I, and like you said, I think you know. And obviously, look. Obviously, every player owner they want to make their money, especially during this time of like United States going through tough times uh, economically speaking. People want their money, but it's like there's a give and take to that. If you if you if you want to if you want your money so desperately that you give off this terrible PR of being this like money-hungry guy. I mean, when is, when is one of these owners going to sell their team and go buy, like, a grocery store chain or something like that? Because that'll make them more money. It's, and it's really, sad. It, baseball, owning a professional sports team is one of the most profitable things you can do. All these guys are making a ton of money. Like, you're, yeah. you're leaving with more money than what you bought the team for. Like, in five years, this team, the, the Cubs are going to be worth tw- tw- twice what they are now, probably. For being honest, so I mean, these guys crying poor is ridiculous. And like you said, marketing their stars, their biggest star is Mike Trout. Half the people don't even watch his games because he's playing late. And if he was walking down the street into like a subway or something, most people wouldn't recognize him. So the marketing of the stars is bad in baseball right now. And you know, I'm all for sensible rule changes, but there's some stupid ones like the three batter rule was ridiculous. And the the runner at second. Yeah. That was before even all the corona stuff. Because yeah, yeah. I was talking, that was one of the things I asked. Uh, they had like a seminar at SoxFest, and one of them was with all a bunch of the bullpen players. Steve Ciszek, the former Cub, was there, Aaron Bummer, and I th- believe Don Cooper, uh, the pitching coach. And I asked them what they thought of it, and I also asked the manager, Rick Renteria, and a different one. And um, the Bummer's was like, hey, I think it's a perfect game. I wouldn't change it. And Renteria basically said, I wasn't a fan of it either. It's going to change the way we have to do things strategy-wise, so it'll be an adjustment for sure. And I, I agree. I think it's a, you know, I think it's one of, I like the strategy of baseball. That's also kind of why I like the pitcher hitting. But if you're going to do the pitcher hitting, I think you have to make it consistent. So the DH in the National League I can live with a little bit more. I always like the fun little uh, Bartolo Colon home run moments or when John Lester finally gets a hit, it's a big deal. But at the same time, I can see why people, you know, you're at a game, you're trying to build a rally, you're down two, and then all of a sudden the pitcher comes up and the gate, like, you know the inning's over. So if you're going to have consistent rules, that's fine. But some of these are just, like, stupid. Like, the runner at second for extras, we had to do that for travel baseball, and I hated it even then. Like, you should at least have to earn your runs, not with, like, gimmicks like a shootout in hockey. I think that, yeah, that's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Well, uh, do we I agree. I agree. Uh, I think baseball, it's going to be interesting. Like we said, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see going moving forward. Um, I think you see the NBA going out, trending upwards. NFL also kind of trending upwards, obviously. Um, and the MLB just can't really figure it out. Which is unfortunate. Yep. It's a great sport. I wish a lot of, I, I, a lot of people say baseball is boring and everything. I think, I think it has so much more to offer. Um, but they're not doing a good job of it, nope. in my opinion. Nope. Final thing we'll leave the folks with. The NBA, like we talked about earlier, they're heading to their bubble. 
Assuming everything goes as planned, everyone's tested. If you were in the bubble, who would your bubble buddy be that you are hanging out slash being a roommate with down in Orlando in the NBA? I mean, okay, this is kind of, I'll answer your question a second. Dude, imagine, like, if, like, I'm telling you right now, if LeBron James wins this year, he's better than Michael Jordan. I don't care. Dude's getting quarantined with J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, Dwight Howard, and Rajon Rondo. Hey. That is... Try being stuck. I would have thought so, but reading this this Jordan Rules book, try being stuck with Stacy King and trying to have watch him try and get rebounds. So, I mean, I mean, we're gonna get the, the Jordan Rules or the LeBron Rules or some show, and it's gonna you know take the curtain back. I mean, you got a dude. I mean, you got J.R. Smith who's drunk all the time off Hennessy. Yeah, Dion Waiters who like what was it, a couple months ago he was got too high on a plane off gummies. <laughs> I mean, J.R. Smith's going to throw soup at someone, contaminate him with COVID. Oh, my Lord. Hey, um, there's, still, there's still the Dennis Rodman factor. Yeah, that's That's, that's the wild card. That's like the, <laughs> the ace in the back pocket. But I will say, like, going off of that, though, with the baseball, and I know a lot of people's sentiment, and same with the NBA, is like, well, if, and I know what's going to happen if George, LeBron wins this year. They're going to be like, well, you know, it was a shortened season. doesn't count. I almost give them more credit. Especially oh, with yeah. baseball, too. It's a 60-game season, so every game means more. It's almost like the playoffs come early. And now you have to deal, overcome all the COVID stuff, all of the the layoff, same with the NBA, the being quarantined far apart with people you probably don't like, like JR, no fans to get you motivated. Like, I think it's just as big of an accomplishment. It's probably going to be more memorable and just, if not more, as difficult than winning in a regular season. I know, you know, the 162 games has its grind, but the NBA finished 75% of the season, and then, so basically the whole regular season, everything was decided. The Lakers were going to be in the playoffs regardless as a high seed. So this just made their road even more difficult than it would. So I don't give, I don't think this is going to make it, you know, if LeBron wins, is going to be the caveat of, well, you know, they had the layoff with Corona. I don't think that's a. I think it's a disadvantage. If anything, it made it more impressive if he wins the no, title this I, year. But I totally, I absolutely agree. I think, um, and I mean, with the baseball, I mean, you're looking at projected records, and it's like, it's really, it, like, it's gonna be really close. There's only 60 games, and you win. You, you know, I mean, they say in baseball, you, what is it? You win like 60, you lose 60, or something like that. Yeah. The is what you do in the middle, or something. Yeah. The the last uh, the last sixty is uh, the uh, what makes or breaks your season, but yeah. um. And I mean, you boil it down to sixty total games, it's gonna be like everyone's gonna win, you know, twenty, 20. and lose twenty, and that's and so it's gonna be twenty games that are gonna make or break your season. I mean, the Mariners started off scorching goes- last year. They would have been a a high seed after sixty games, and the Nationals, who won the World Series, wouldn't have even been in the playoffs. So everyone, even the Marlins, are a contender this year. Sense of urgency. Yeah, exactly. If it even exactly. gets played, which and it I won't. Mean, you think? I mean, a hundred sixty-two game season. You still got you know playing games in these in these these seasons coming down to like one or two games, and then you amplify that where it's like. You know, the one or two game could be a game you played, you know, last week. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. And that's where it's like, look, I think they could have branded this as that sprint. Like, they should have done that a long time ago instead of saying, you know, a shortened season's bad. It's, because you're going to get to It's a sense of urgency. It creates a sense of urgency. I think it's going to make it more exciting. Anyway, you're dodging the hard-hitting question. Yes, yes, yes. Bubble Buddy. Who is it? Bubble Buddy. Who, uh... Couple it different be routes. Kawhi. Huh? Kawhi? It, no, it would not be Kawhi. Well, with Kawhi, you're getting a quiet guy in the room, and you're also getting a lot of street cred. People are going to respect you when you're walking down the street, but I'd agree he'd be a little strange. Harding, you'd um, have access to all the strip clubs, but that might be a safety true. hazard, you know, being, you know, COVID and all. LeBron, I feel like, would be like calling his kids every night. He's too much of a dad, as cool as he is. I, I don't know yeah, if I'd want him true. either. I feel like he is kind of a lame now. I'm going with a wild card. I'll go first. I'd probably go Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah. Just got signed by the Clippers. It'd be fun. You know, the, the room would definitely have a lot of smoke in it if you uh, catch my drift. But I think seeing, you know, rehashing the old Bulls days and you get to talk trash about LeBron, I think you'd get some interesting nuggets 
from Joe Keem. That's who I'm going with. Joe Keem, Noah. I think, honestly, this is a tough question. I might go Giannis. I think he's really funny. Giannis is funny. That would be good. He's a really, he's a joke, dude. I feel like, I feel like he'd be a good time. He seems like a, he seems like a chill, a nice, a nice chill guy. I think Zion would be another interesting one, another yeah. young dude. Or like John Morant, because John Morant's like he's pretty young. You know? I would like take, yeah, they're both basically our age. I think I would take Zion before Ja. Ja seems a little more high maintenance. He's already complaining that his song he doesn't have a name drop and a rap song yet. So I don't know about it. I don't know if I'm hanging out with Ja, but Zion would be cool. If the Warriors were in it, I'd definitely take Steve Kerr. Cause I heard he rolls a mean joint, and I'd be I'd be wanting to ask him a bunch of Jordan questions, but unfortunately yeah, they're not in there, so that he, he makes it tough. Seem like a very, he seems like a very down to earth guy. Like I feel like he he took some stuff, like he took some stuff from Phil Jackson, kind of learned some things. Right. Well, you'd have the Phil Jackson factor. You could ask about the Bulls. Then he played with the Spurs in once. You could ask about Tim Duncan and Pop. I think this he's a great storyteller, as you can tell. Uh, and he's coaching all these great Warrior teams. He was in that great LeBron battle. There's so much you could ask Steve Kerr that I think would be fascinating. So he'd be my number uh, one choice. I'll, but he... I'll flip the question. If you're in the, and this, this is, I think it's an easy answer. If you're in the coronavirus bubble, who's the one dude you're going to be avoiding the most? Um, I feel like Chris Paul would be kind of a yeah, snitch. I was gonna Chris Paul too. So I think I'd be he'd be looking for some sort of advantage or like contaminating people, people sneakily. Like, oh, sir, they're, uh, uh, they're only five feet apart. Kick them out. Yeah, I think because they have that snitch hotline, the anonymous yeah. call if they're breaking rules, and I think Chris Paul would be utilizing that when Harden a lot. And, uh, Kawhi go out to the strip club when they sneak out to go to Miami's strip club. Chris Paul is going to be there waiting for him with Adam Silver on the. On the on the speed dial, yeah, he'd be he'd be high on my list. What? Oh, yeah, now I'm trying to think of someone else I absolutely wouldn't want to hang out with. Yeah, Chris Paul would probably be, he'd be Maybe up there. Rondo too. I feel like Rondo's kind of a dick. I feel like he could be a dick. Rondo would be a, Rondo's a wild card. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he could be he could be dick. He could be a dick. Um. Ooh, let's, I'm trying to think who else. Westbrook, I feel like it's kind of he'd be kind of clicky. You want to get on his good side? If not, I feel like he could yeah, be a problem no, I too. Agree. I feel like if you, if you make an enemy with Russell Westbrook, I feel like he's really not gonna like you. He's kind of got that Jordan mentality where he's like, "Hey, no saying hi to other people if they're not on our team." Uh, yeah. Slapping phones out of people's hands, so that yeah. Anyway, now that we've tackled the hard hitting questions, is there anything else we 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 haven't covered that we need to before we wrap things up here? Uh, yeah, we kind of touched on it. Congratulations to Liverpool. They broke in the drought. It, it, it really is too bad because it was a really, like, I mean, Liverpool winning this trophy was more like, I mean, look, they, they kind of ran away with it, so that kind of broke the suspense. But it was, I mean, it's similar to, you know, like a trophy. I mean, it's 30 years, and it's and they've, they've been so close. It's one of those things where they've been so close. Yeah. And they, and they messed it up for 30 years. And they won it. Um, it is funny. Another soccer player literally said, he was like, I mean, no one's going to remember Liverpool winning it this year. It's just going to be that one season that got broken up by the pandemic. And he's right, which is unfortunate. Well, um, I think that's part of the relief, though, and why people were so happy is because they we knew before the pandemic hit, Liverpool was going to win the league. Yeah. So now the league stopped, and it's like, wow, we rated 30 years. We finally had a team good enough. We were on the cusp of winning, and they got taken away. So the replay, we're finally able to get back, play, and win. We're like, okay, we got it. No one can take it from us. I think that kind of, you know, the monkey's off the back, so to speak, and it was more of a relief of anything. It does take away some of the momentum, you know, because, like, like you said, there is the big gap in between it. But I still think, yeah. you know, 30 years from now, you know, you'll look at the box scores and you'll just say who won that year. And it'll be Liverpool. You're not. There's not going to be That's like an true. asterisk or anything, That's true. you know. And I mean, I, I think the same with like, you know, LeBron and like all these guys would be like, look, they got a ring, right? You know, they, like the Blackhawks. Not... We were talking about this before the show even started. Oh no, that was 2015. But like the 2013 Stanley Cup run, that was a shortened season. 
Most people yeah. don't remember no, that. No. And you don't, that was my favorite Stanley Cup out of all of them because I watched all the games that year because it was short in season and it was a fantastic Stanley Cup. I'm, I'm not looking back and be like, well, asterisk there. They didn't play the full 82 regular season games. So, yeah, I don't think it'll matter when you're looking back yeah, years down the road. I agree. Well, um, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. And wear your mask, people. And, you know, if you oh, like football. Yeah, true. I didn't even realize. I did not even realize that, like, in the South, that, like, it wasn't even a requirement. They were like, you can wear a mask if right. you want to. I feel like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I was just in Iowa. I could count on one hand how many people I saw wearing a mask. Gas stations. The employees aren't even wearing masks. I was at that, like, a lake Crazy. out there. It's like, oh, it was, it was horrible. If you like football or want sports to come back, wear a mask. It shouldn't be a political thing. Like, honestly, and that's what's so sad about it. If Donald Trump was smart, he would make a bunch of Make America Great Again masks like John Oliver suggests and sell them. Because all the, the, all the rednecks would buy them and then everyone would be wearing a mask and we'd get on with our lives quicker. If you exactly. like football, wear a mask, please, so we can ever, play. If you ever think that, like, if you ever are just a stupid human being and think that masks, like, make you can't breathe, I wore a mask. I work, I work 10 hours at a Whole Foods day. I had a mask on every single minute because I have to. Yep. So, and I was fine. No no cigarette lungs yet. Facts. But, exactly. Wear a mask. I want to see. I need to see Drew Locke play. So, wear a mask. That's right. The Broncos are on the cusp right. of greatness this year. Exactly. <laughs> that was the Dome oh. Speed Podcast. We thank you for listening so much. We will hopefully catch up with you sometime in the near future.